Word of God. So just after the service, just so you know, there are cakes. There's cakes for all the women. There may be some left over for the guys too. Um, and if you didn't get one of these invitations, um, love you to go and pick one up from the Connect Desk. There's a whole bunch there when you can pick one up for the women who are in the sphere um, that you find yourself or your family, wherever you find yourself. I'd love you to invite someone along to the gathering. That is our women's conference. It's on the second weekend of October, um, and we'd absolutely love to pack that place out. We've called it the gathering because we believe in the power of gathering. When people gather, it's biblical, um, so, and we believe in the power of gathering. So that's why we've called it that, and we're expecting to see a great gathering of women. So guys, don't tune out this morning. This morning is about mothers, about mother figures. We're talking about the wife of noble character. We're talking about all those kind of things, but don't tune out because this is for everyone. This is about what God wants to say to half the demographic of his creation. And um, I'd, so I'd love you guys to tune in, to hear what's being said this morning. We've got three testimonies from three brilliant women in our church that are going to give a testimony of their experience of motherhood. And I just, Dan's mentioned it, but we're very aware that Mother's Day is um, bittersweet. Um, we're aware that there are people who have recently lost their mothers, mothers who have recently got diagnoses. Um, people who don't have an easy relationship with their mother, people who are desperate to become a mother, um, but that hasn't happened yet. And I was just thinking about all the women in our church, and um, I just gave, I've just written a bit of an overview of when I look out, what I see, and why I feel just so impassioned by the men and the uh, men and the women in this church. We'll do exactly the same thing on Father's Day for the guys. This isn't a battle of the sexes in the slightest. We are honoring all of God's creation, men and women honoring each other together. There's something hugely powerful about that, where men are honoring women, women are honoring men. Women are submitting to men and men are submitting to women in the body of Christ. There's something beautiful about it. But I was thinking about the women in our church. We've got women looking after children whilst their partners are working away doing bedtimes on their own, night after night. Women stepping into broken situations where children have been removed out of their family home and they need to be cared for elsewhere. We've got women who are stepping up saying, I'll do it. I'll invite them into my home. We've got women looking after their grandchildren and raising them as their own. We've got women working in social care to ensure that all children are safe and loved and placed into a loving family. We've got women who have forgiven their children again and again and again because they want them to know the mother heart of God. Women who are desperate to have children but still manage to congratulate and celebrate new babies, births and bumps. There's something powerful, really powerful in that. If you're digging deep to do that, God bless you. It's hard but it's beautiful and it will keep your heart soft. Women who've lost children and have done the hard work of keeping their hearts soft and open to God, women who manage mental health issues or physical issues with their children, whose knees literally show the scars of a mother on her knees in prayer. Now, we've heard about prayer from Angela this morning. Dan and I bumped into a family 
in town yesterday. And this family, one of the children, one of the girls, she just completely went off. She turned her back on church for years and wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. And we saw her and she was talking about um, how she was in church. She was loving God, how her whole life had been turned around. And when we walked off, Dan said to me, that's a praying mum, that is. Because her mum has prayed for her every single day, again and again. If you're praying for your son or your daughter, keep praying. Keep praying. Get there's someone in our location who has scars on their knees from praying. Just keep doing it. Keep praying. We've got women who don't want children because they're comfortable as they are in, the, in their identity between them and Christ. There's all kinds of different stories going on and all different emotions that will be evoked when we talk about Mother's Day this morning. So we're talking about, we're celebrating Mother's Day, we're celebrating women, and we're talking um, and teaching from Proverbs 31, the wife of noble character. Now I want to do this as a, maybe a slightly redemptive and um, confessional thing this morning, because often I've read this, I don't know if you're aware of the verse, the wife of noble character, who basically can do absolutely everything in the world, with a smile on her face, she can spin a million plates and choose the best yarn and be brilliant to her husband and be the best mum. And I've read it. And quite frankly, I felt a bit annoyed at her because I feel like she set me up to fail. But um, I want to do maybe look at this as a slightly redemptive piece of text. Um, and what I want to look into a little bit of teaching around it. We're just going to do it really quickly as to what the poem actually means, what's actually being said and what God's wanting to communicate it to us rather than give women this morning a list of all these things they need to do and all these things they need to live up to. I want to teach us about how it's actually an affirmation from God to women for who they are. Now, it's good for women to hear this and it's good for men to hear this. So, but before we get into the text, I'd love to invite, and we've got three people who are going to give just a couple of minutes testimony this morning about what it is for them to be a mum and what they've learned maybe about their relationship with their own mum. And so I'd love to invite Stacey, Pam, and Anne. Um, let's give them a round of applause. Let's make them feel really welcome. You come up here. You come up here. Let's start with you, Stacey. So I love that you baptized your son a couple of months ago. That was a really beautiful moment. And so we'd just love to hear what does motherhood mean to you? What's your journey been like? God has really used motherhood in, my, um, in his rescue plan for my life. So um, rewinding like 14 years, I was in a really dark place. I'd completely, after growing up in a Christian home, I'd completely turned my back on God. I walked away from him. And I was in self-destruct mode. I just didn't care about myself at all. And then I fell pregnant. And straight away, there was this life within me that I really did care deeply about. And I was on my knees talking to God again, because I knew there's only so much I could do to protect that, that child. So I was on my knees praying to God, um, because I wanted Joel, who the baby was, um, to have life in all its fullness and to have eternal life. So through getting pregnant with Joel, that was part of my journey of coming back to God. And that, behind all of that, was a mother on her knees praying because my mum prayed for me every single day. She earnestly prayed. She hated to see my life in such a mess. And it went on for a long time like that. She prayed and prayed and prayed. And now she says every single day she's praising God for what he's done in my life, for bringing me back to him. So, that, yeah, that's such an encouragement for everyone to keep praying for your children. And um, for me, to baptise Joel a few weeks ago was amazing because... I've prayed for him. He's not, our home isn't a Christian home. My husband's not a Christian. So although we have conversations about my faith, it's very much this is what I believe rather than this is a fact. 
And um, at Joel's baptism class with Dan, it just made my heart leap for joy to hear Joel say to Dan, all my life I've known there's a choice and I've never even considered going the other way because following Jesus makes absolute sense to me. And that's the Holy Spirit done that in his life. And so, again, it's seeing prayers answered in the lives of our kids is, and not just our biological children, but prayers just have so much power. So keep praying. That's really good. That's really good. And I know women in this location and throughout all of a live church who, maybe, who don't have biological kids, but they get on their knees and they pray, and I am so grateful for them. I'm grateful for mums who have adopted me as kind of like a spiritual daughter, and I'm just really grateful. So don't underestimate the power of that. Thank you, Stacey. Pam. Um, to me, being a mother is a miracle because when I was 28, I sat in a doctor's surgery and was told that... I couldn't have children. There was no physical way that my body would let me have children. And our only option was IVF. And I was given a 12% chance of that working. And it was horrendous, and I was very angry. I was angry that God would do that. My brother had managed to get a girl pregnant, and just like that. And uh, he wasn't even in a relationship with her. But I couldn't have children, and it was for me, life-changing. But at the time, um, my mum's church got together a group of people who prayed, and they prayed constantly for me. They prayed for me through all the IVF treatment. They prayed when I was pregnant. They prayed every time things went wrong, and it did go wrong a lot. They kept saying they were going to stop it, but they just prayed more. Um, and God made a way when there was no way. <laughs> And I, it worked first time, and as you know, we had twins. Um, <laughs> what a miracle. Um, the other thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about when I got pregnant, um, because these people have been praying so much for me, their faith really grew. And, um, you know, sometimes when we go through things, we, we don't always know why God's doing that, but actually God knows the bigger picture. And actually the impact that those people did, had when they were praying to God and praying for that miracle to happen. One lady even has become a preacher because of it. And um, we often go back to the church um, and we have the, the children dedicated there. And when we visit, they call them their miracle babies because they know that God had such a hand in that. So that's one thing, being a mother is being a miracle. Um, as my children have grown up, um, it's been hard. <laughs> Being a mum is hard work. You wake up every morning thinking, today it's going to be calm. Today I'm going to go for it. Today I'm not going to lose it. And usually I can guarantee by half past seven in the morning, I've probably ranted at Josh at least four times for little things like, just brush your teeth, just have a shower. And it is constant. And you think, you know, when's that going to end? But do you know what? My relationship with my children has changed. When they were little... You know, I was there. They'd ask, you know, they'd ask a thousand questions they wanted answers for. They wanted guidance. They wanted support. They needed to know what was right and wrong. And that was my role. But now they're older. They're teenagers. I love my relationship with my children because the foundations are there. But actually now my relationship with my children is that I'm friends with them. You know, I love bantering with them. They call me, they call me a Shetland pony. I don't know because I've got little legs. But... <laughs> I love that, and I love more than anything the fact that they want to spend time with me. When my children say, Mum, can we hang out? That, to me, is such a privilege. 
And again, when I was thinking about this, God reminded me about how that is when our relationship with him. When we start with him and we get to know him, we have a thousand questions. We need guidance. We need to know what's the right path to take and what's not the right, the wrong things that we shouldn't be doing. But now as I've, you know, become more mature a Christian, my relationship with him is, I want, he's my friend. I still need guidance from him. I still need him. But I know I've got that foundation as well with him. And, you know, he's there for me. And more than anything, he just loves to spend time with me. So that's my... So just to put my uh, story into context, when Martin and myself got married, um, I made it fully clear that we were never having children. He, he went into our marriage knowing that that was not going to happen. And uh, six years later, we had three little ones... And 21 years later, I know that using my woman's prerogative of changing my mind was the best thing that I ever did. But last night when I sat down to think about what motherhood means to me, um, it was harder than I thought. I could come up with this long list of what motherhood actually is, um, from taxi service to endless washing um, to being well out of my comfort zone when the kids are poorly because I am far from being the nursing type. Um, but what it actually means to me was far harder to pin down. But what I do know is that God has had a strong hold on my family for the 21 years that we've been together. And the one word that kept coming to mind is one that um, Pam used there, actually, which is privilege. Um, I don't take being a mum for granted in any sense. In a sad turn of events that almost to the day when I found out that I was pregnant with our firstborn, my sister found out that she could never have children. It should have been the other way around. I didn't want kids after all. She was desperate to have babies. She works in the mat wing. Um, she wanted to train as a midwife. And there were so many questions, so much going to God and asking him to reverse her condition, but he never did. So much guilt on my part, especially as I seemed to fall pregnant as easy as I managed to bake a cake. But living constantly with that situation went a long way to shaping who I am as a mum. It meant that I was always aware of the great privilege I had been given to mother and nurture my three. Today, those three are 21, 19 and 17. And privilege is still the word that comes to mind. Especially as about four years ago, I'm going to have to get through this without crying, okay? A trauma hit our family that in many ways we're still recovering from. I can't go into details, but for me personally, it meant a spiral downwards into depression and chronic anxiety. I know that every mum has those days when they wonder if they're really doing the right thing, but I went for months thinking that I was completely worthless as a mum, and actually the belief that my kids would cope better without me. And while the situation that caused that trauma hasn't fully gone away, today I still count it as enormous privilege that our family life is better than it ever has been. And I get to mother my three amazing kids. I was not fully there for Rebecca when she needed me most. And so to receive a card this morning that said to my mum, my best friend, meant the world to me. To see Alice grow into such an amazing woman of God is a real privilege. During that time, she was my rock, actually. In my worst moments, she was the one that held my hand. She was the one that left little notes on my pillow with Bible verses and sweet memories. 
And then there's Daniel, our boy, who was a complete surprise 17 years ago. We thought four was a perfect little family, but God decided to mix it up a bit and gave us a boy. He may not be here on a Sunday, but I love, I love our long conversations about God and how he's grappling to align his scientific mind with his faith. So yeah, as Pam said, there are times when motherhood can seem like unbelievably hard work. But I can say with all honesty that my children are a gift from God, and now it's my privilege to call them my best friends. Well done. Thanks, guys. There's lots of different journeys to it, lots of different stories along the way. Um, and we just really honor, we honor those stories and everybody's individual, individual journey. Okay, so let's get into a bit of teaching around Proverbs 31. We'll just do this for the next 10 minutes or so, because I think it's really important for us to get an understanding of what God's wanting to say. So it is the wife of noble character, and I'm going to read it to you. And bear in mind that until I got a good understanding of this, until I kind of dove, dove into um, the meanings, the words, what's being said, um, I used to raise the, uh, read this with one raised eyebrow. Um, so the wife of noble character. A wife of noble character who can find. By the way, this also, if you look into the imagery and you look into the words around it, this is not just applicable to a wife. It could equally be called a woman of noble character. So, a wife of noble character, a woman of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. This is where I start to, to raise my eyebrows. She selects wool and flax and works with either eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. Good for her. And provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Hey, she did have servants to help. Anyway, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earrings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work Yeah, she doesn't plant a vineyard out of her earrings. She plants them out of her earnings. She plants out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the, her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps a spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants and sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. I don't know if anybody's seen one of those funny things going around the internet. Um, instead of saying Proverbs 31, it says probably me 31. And it says she's clothed in leggings and oversized t-shirts and eats without fear for the future. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them, surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Okay, amazing piece of scripture, much more amazing. When you begin to dig in, you understand why it's been written that way, that it absolutely applies to women in general. It it applies to honoring God's creation, to women honoring men and men honoring women. Because what it isn't intended to be is a checklist for women or more things to add to your ever-increasing to-do list. It's not about you now setting your alarm to get up in the middle of the night so you can get out the loom and start making lovely things for your family. Um, It's actually packed with hyperbolic, militaristic, military-type imagery. Um, The poem's an acrostic, so every start of the sentence of every line forms a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and what it does, when, pe- when a Hebrew writer does that, when they take a letter of every alphabet, a le- every letter of the alphabet to form the, f- the framing of a poem, what it's doing is it's offering this sense of totality as the poet praises that every, in this, in this specific example, he's praising the everyday achievements of an upper-class Jewish wife. Um, so what it's doing is it's, it's, praising the everyday ordinary stuff when you begin to look into what the things that are being praised it's being what's being praised is the often overlooked everyday stuff there's a quote that will come up here from Rachel Held Evans who's done some brilliant work into this as a poem Proverbs 31 should not be interpreted prescriptively as a job description for all women its purpose is to celebrate wisdom in action not to instruct women everywhere to get married, have children, and take up the loom. That isn't the intention of the poem. It's about taking the everyday, ordinary stuff and celebrating it. So things like the things that people do, the things that women do that often don't get noticed. And I'm really conscious. I'm really into equality between men and women. I absolutely am. So I don't want this to be a um, hurrah for women against men. It's not in the slightest. It's a day where we're honoring women, okay? Um, And we will get to honoring men on Father's Day and every other day. Um, But, you know, all those small things that often don't notice. So let me just give it a bit of a modern twist. So it's noticing and celebrating the everyday stuff that when it doesn't get noticed, it's really frustrating. You know, the stuff that you do day in and day out that might not get noticed, like saving up your dividend points on your co-op card so then you can go and get some Easter treats or Christmas presents. You cut a savings voucher out of the paper. You sorted all the kids' old toys and sold them on eBay for a bit of extra money. You rid the kids of knits. You remembered your in-laws' birthday. You know that the chicken in the fridge needs cooking today, otherwise it's going to go past its sell- it, otherwise it's sell-by day. You know, all those things that you do and that you juggle, it's saying, okay, we're going to take a bit of scriptural time to honor that ordinary, everyday stuff and say, that's actually worship. That can be your worship. Whether you class yourself as a wife or a mother, whatever demographic you put yourself in, it's scripture teaching us that the ordinary, everyday stuff that just goes on behind the scenes is worthy of praise. That we can do it to make us more like Jesus. That it does something in us that transforms us and and allows us to bring ourselves under the lordship of Jesus. And then the second part of the proverb, and we mentioned this, I think, a couple of Mother's Days ago, was this concept of ishet Shayal, and I love this because this is so relevant for every woman and every man. So the book, chapter 31 of the book of Proverbs, the first part is advice from a mother to a king. 
So advice of like, this is how you should live. This is how you should rule. This is what you should look for should you want to get married. The second section of this text directs um, women to be industrious and to fear the Lord. Whether you're a wife or a mother, it's it's calling all women to be industrious, to fear the Lord, and to give your ordinary everyday life to him as an act of worship. So in Jewish culture... This is called the Eshet Shayel. So it's the second part of this, pro- of this proverb, the 10th to the 31st verse. If I was American, I'd get you to say it. Oh, actually, I'm going to. Go on. Turn to the person next to you and say, Eshet Shayel. Practice it. Eshet Shayel. Eshet Shayel. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about what this means. Eshet Shayel translates exactly as woman of valor. So that's what you just declared over the person next to you, woman of valor. So let me tell you a bit about Jew in Jewish culture. So traditionally in Jewish culture, this is this is recited on a Friday night before a Shabbat dinner. So a Jewish family traditionally would sit and have a Shabbat dinner together, and then this second part of Proverbs 31 would be recited, usually from the husband to the wife. It would be recited in homes. So you can translate Eshet Shayal. It has been historically translated as virtuous, noble. However, when some scholars did a bit of digging into the language, they've suggested rather it means a force, mighty or valiant because the word is almost exclusively used in the Bible with reference to warfare. So it's saying, now there's some amazing verses that instruct women to be quiet and gentle, and I love those, and they're good and right. But there's also some verses that say, you're a force. You're a force, you are mighty, and you are valiant. You are a woman of valor. So I want to tell you, just for the last five minutes, a testimony from Ahava. She's a 21st century Jewish woman, and she writes this. Every week at the Sabbath table, my husband sings the Proverbs 31 poem to me. Ahaver explained, it's special because I know that no matter what I do or don't do, he praises me for blessing the family. And this family can be the family around the table or this can be the body of Christ. You look throughout scripture, this this idea of family and gathering, it's applicable in your homes, but it's applicable in the gathering here. You can be a force, a woman of valor to this family, into this house, into this household. He praises me for blessing the family with my energy and creativity. All women can do that in their own way. I love that this place is so blessed by, these, by women's energy and creativity. I'm grateful for it. Mothers in the house. In addition, she said, Eshet Shayal, woman of valor, is invoked as a sort of spontaneous blessing in Jewish culture. Ahava said, think of it this way. It's the Hebrew equivalent of, you go, girl. If you're wanting to say, you go, girl, you go for it. Well done. I'm proud of you. Look at you. You are trying for a baby, but every week, if somebody's announcing a new baby, you'll lay your hands on them. You'll praise, you'll, you'll praise God. You'll thank God for a baby. You'll come to dedications. It's, it's saying, Eshet Shayal, woman of valor, your motherhood journey might not have been easy. Your relationship with your own mother might be really tricky, but you're here and you honor her and you celebrate and you still sow into other women into the house of God. Eshet Shayel. It's almost like a carry-on warrior. So she gives this just brilliant definition here. 
um, that what she says, isn't this a brilliant model for us to adopt on Mother's Day and every day that we would declare a Shet Shayal over mothers, daughters, mothers-to-be, those struggling to become mothers, that friends would cheer one another on with a blessing, celebrating everything from promotions to pregnancies to acts of mercy and justice and honoring everything from battles with cancer to brave acts of vulnerability to difficult choices with a hearty Ishet Shayel, a hearty reminder that you are a woman of valor. Now, it doesn't just have to be a woman saying this to a woman. Remember, it's the guy that's saying this to his wife. He's praising her for what he brings into the family. And we want to celebrate you for what you bring into this family of God. Dan and I are privileged to hear the behind-the-scenes stories and to see people still turning up, still being part of the house, still wanting to bless this family with their creativity and the gifts and the things that God has put into them. So, woman of valor, Ishet Shayal. So, I would love you to incorporate that into your week somewhere. somewhere. Maybe you want to say it to your own mother. Guys and women in here, you want to say it to your own mother. Maybe you want to say it to your daughter or someone that's struggling. Get alongside them. Ishet Shayal. Remind them of who they are, that they are a woman of valor. And just quickly before we finish, I'm just going to give you a little bit of an insight into our Easter series. So over Easter, we're going to be looking at the story of the crucifixion, as we should over Easter, looking at from the cross all the way uh, um, from the cross to the, the crucifixion to the resurrection and the ascension. And we're going to be looking at it. Stuart, I love this. Stuart wants to look at it through the eyes of the women. We often hear stories, we often hear, um, we come back to the gospel stories, but within those stories are just some really amazing, um, just highlights of where women have stayed at the cross. They've been there at the tomb. They've been the, the wife has whispered into Pilate's ear not to crucify this innocent man because I had a dream about him and I am greatly troubled. We want to celebrate and just point out and highlight um, that intuition, that Ashet Shayel, um, coming through in the Easter story. So we're going we're gonna to start that next week. We've got a couple of weeks here, and then I think Easter Sunday we're going to be at Alive Lincoln. So we'll have a joint service for that one, and that's going to follow through in our connect groups as well. So there's going to be some really fantastic notes um, following the Easter story. So Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers, to the mother figures. Thank you so much to brilliant women who brought their story this morning. Anishet Shayal, woman of valor. I'd love you to say that to somebody in your world this morning because you know when women encourage men and when men encourage women, the whole body of Christ is stronger and better. I'd love us to be able to model that for the world. What the world is selling about the battle of the sexes is so wrong and it's so toxic. We want to honor that God has made men and he has made women in his own image and that he's got a plan to outwork through them. So God bless you. Thank you for being part of this house for all that you bring. And do remember that afterwards we've got some Mother's Day treats, some extra cakes. And Dan, do you want to come and, why don't you come and pray for us as we finish off the service? Wasn't she good, everybody? Come on. What a great message. And said so well because it could have sounded a lot.